The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, doing good in life versus doing well. There's a fine shade of meaning there. Hey, you all know you're in business. Businesses are pressured to do the right thing via donations of all kinds, especially at year end. Well, we're now in January 2014. So let's talk about what happens the rest of the year. Giving feels good, but it could feel even better all year long if your company expands its generosity to support NPOs and NGOs around the world. We'll explain that later. How? I have a panel of experts. This is what they do. This is what they're passionate about. And let me introduce them right off the bat. Starting off on our panel today, I'm going to bring you Joanna Breidenbach. She's the co-founder of BetterPlace.org, a think and do tank. That's a new term for me. Seeking to improve the social sector through the use of digital technologies. They're also Germany's largest donation platform. Joanna sent me the following quote, and we're going to have her explain it in just a second. She says, the social sector and philanthropy will experience a similar disruption to industries such as news and retail. Digital tools challenge existing power relations, existing practices, and existing business models. Executed well, they hold the potential for civil society organizations to be much more efficient and effective. Welcome, Joanna Breidenbach. How are you today? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the program. Thank you. Why don't you talk to us a little bit? Give us a two-minute explanation of this quote, and then we'll turn to your co-panelists and see what's on their mind. So bring us into the topic, Joanna. Go ahead. Well, you know, I think if we all remember 10 years ago, the business landscape and the way we as private individuals communicated was very, very different. You know, I mean, there's now a completely new set of companies heading the stock exchange, and we all talk to each other in different ways. So really, the established players have experienced a very fundamental disruption of their business models and the way they are doing their things. When you now look at social sector organizations, you see the change is not so apparent. You know, we still have the same large NGOs doing most of the work, and also the development, the, you know, the state development actors are pretty much the same. So on the surface, you don't really see that much disruption yet with the digitalization. But we already see, when you look a bit deeper, you know, you really do see a number of path-breaking trends, how digital media are transforming social sector organizations. And I find that really exciting when you look at how they use uh, digital media for their internal communication, you know, for the work which is done internally in an organization within teams, 
the way they now talk differently to their stakeholders. Uh, you know, NGOs will have a very different way now to talk to donors and volunteers. They will engage them through social media and really get them much more closer to their operations. And you also see lots of changes uh, actually in the field, you know, the kind of work NGOs are doing in the field with beneficiaries. You see how digital tools are being used for creating better feedback loops, you know, so you might have an organization which is communicating via SMS with their beneficiaries. And so there are really important changes uh, going on. And they are so important because the work social society, civil society organizations are engaged in is so fundamental and it's also so difficult. And we are really confronting big, big challenges in, in poverty and social justice. Uh, and the existing aid industry is frankly not really prepared to deal with them. So I'm really excited about this new breakup of, you know, the old aid industry and uh, witnessing what is coming next uh, with the digitalization. Thank you very much, Joanna Breidenbach. Good introduction to our topic. I'm going to ask our second panelist to join us. Let me tell you briefly, it's Alex Lapouchon, CEO and founding partner of Zytec, Z-I-T-E-C dot com. They're a tech lab assisting businesses with custom projects and assisting startups to build their disruptive products. They also invest in startups. And Alex has quoted JFK, John F. Kennedy. Here's the quote. There are risks and costs to action but they are far less than the long-range risks of comfortable inaction. Very well put. Alex, welcome. How are you today? Hello from Bucharest. Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I know it's morning over there. Over here it's 6 p.m. and pretty dark outside. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm happy that I'm part of this show and I'm honored to be, to be invited. Uh, but getting back at the quote, Yes. Uh, of course, it's, we're not talking about blind decisions here because I've seen a lot of uh, presentations on that idea. Uh, bad, blind decisions and quick decisions like that will eventually lead you to failure, failure after failure and so forth. And although these days uh, failing is pretty popular, I like to, uh, I don't know, stay away from that part. Uh, I'm referring to decision-making abilities, to the power to get involved to not just sit uh, put and say, like, oh, it's not my job. Uh, that stuff is not working. The government should fix it. Uh, if they don't, mm-hmm. I won't fix it either. So that's the, the spirit um, I had. Um, I, um, that's what I thought of when I selected this quote. Um, I, I think that this quote is not only applying to high-level or mid-level executives, because you might only think politics and business. I think it's valid for everyone, both in professional and personal life, because Personally, I guide myself uh, with a, a set of quotes, and this is one of them. Another one that I like a lot, and it, it comes in a pair, it says, uh, when you make up your mind, your mind stops making, meaning, well, take decisions in the last possible moment because you will have all the decisions. On the, on the, on the opposite side, you need to know when you have to, to get involved to take that decision, not just defer it, uh, call, a, call a new meeting, uh, try to delegate the decision to somebody else. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm a, uh, a guy that likes uh, action, and that's why we got involved into a lot of uh, NGO or civil society projects, because everybody, everybody's asking, like, you're doing software. Why on earth are you wasting time or, or, or actually having fun doing that? Well, this is part of it. What a concept, having fun while you're doing good. Very interesting. Alex, thanks There's for no the intro. Way. 
I agree. That's why we're here, and that's why I'm smiling listening to you and Joanne. And guess what? We're going to welcome Nish Pengali from SAP. She's head of technology for SAP's CSR, that's Corporate Social Responsibility Organization. And Nish sent me a wonderful quote from Margaret Mead. She said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Welcome back, Nish. Happy New Year. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. Happy New Year to you, and it's wonderful to be back for Part 2. Thank you. We're so happy, and I'm, I'm just getting to the fact that we are Part 2. Talk to me about the Margaret Mead quote, and then I'll, I'll ask you all what's in your cup, and we'll finish our first segment. Go ahead, Nish. Sure. So this quote, I think, has a lot of synergy for all of us working within the social sector. You know, It's a wonderful, positive, uplifting sort of message that really inspires that spirit of empowerment. Uh, the spirit of action and change. And I think it's also a great reminder that positive change can really be affected by a small group of people coming together to just make it happen. So even for me sitting within a larger company, most of the initiatives and work that I get involved with rely fully on just a few spirited volunteers or Mm -hmm. business champions to get behind and bring things forward. And I think it's easy to sit on the sidelines, like Alex alluded to. And Margaret's quote kind of strikes that chord to jump in the game and, and make things happen. Nish, when we talk about this thoughtful, committed committed citizens, a small group, are we talking about groups within, as you mentioned, you work for SAP, very, very large global company. Are these thoughtful, committed citizens thinking in terms of we are citizens, meaning individuals or groups of individuals? Are they thinking in terms of we're part of a big organization, but we still have a mind, we still have a heart, and we know that our company can do good, so let's create something in the organization? How do you see that working organizationally, Nish? Organizationally, we see a little bit of both, actually. You know, there's there's a lot mm-hmm. of that kind of effort and spirit that there's opportunities here within the company to push innovation. You'll hear, you know, top-down from leadership talking a lot about take the initiative, be innovative, um, think outside the box, and make things happen. And so there really is a lot of support for that, even though from the outside looking in, people may think this is an established German large, uh, you know, global organization. There really are lots of pockets of innovation that are happening all the time and a lot of support for it. There also is a really strong spirit of volunteerism, of giving back, Mm -hmm. of, of doing good in the world. Um, and SAP stands behind that pretty proudly. So for the organization that I'm a part of, um, a lot of the things that we get involved with, you know, we may have some funding behind it. We may have a couple of resources sitting within the team, but almost everything I get involved with really relies on other people kind of stepping up and becoming a part of it. So that spirit takes me far, whether it's internally um, volunteers who step up and say, I'd like to be a part of demonstrating this application to a nonprofit who's interested in Um, you know, moving into the cloud or leveraging SAP's mobile applications, or it could also be volunteers in the community through our TechSoup partnership and others where we really get the opportunity to have other people come in and we join forces and we kind of are able to grow better together. Good. Glad to have that spirit. Appreciate that. I'm going to go back first, Joanna, then Alex, and then Nish, and ask you what's in your cup today because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers, and that's something we're very curious about. Let's have a little storytelling before we go to our first break. Joanna Breidenbach, you're in Germany today. What time is it? Remind me, and what are you drinking, Joanna? Okay, well, it's 5 o'clock, so I'm in the same time zone as Alex, uh, and I'm drinking a golden milk, which I believe is an Ayurvedic recipe coming from India. 
So it's a turmeric paste, which I've done myself, and I whisk mm. that into hot almond milk, and it's it's tastes lovely and it's supposed to be very healthy you know it helps with i don't know osteoporosis and memory loss and whatever you you can think of so i like to have that in my afternoons thank you joanna i have been reading about the health benefits of turmeric so bravo to you that sounds delicious and it sounds very colorful as well i'm picturing it alex lapuchon what are you drinking alex and remind you you're in bucharest today did you say Yes, I'm in Bucharest at 6 p.m. over here, and uh, I'm also very concerned about uh, health, so I'm definitely following my physician's order. So, and he said no coffee past 4 p.m. So, uh, because it's 6 right now, I'm just having a cup of tea, and of course, it's Earl Grey hot, just to uh, in memory of Jean-Luc Picard, my favorite. Uh, uh, movie character, right? <laughs> uh, but since most of you uh, are actually enjoying coffee, and especially your your audience, uh, I'm, I'm I have to tell you about one of my favorite gadgets, uh, yes. which is CoffeeJulie.com. Uh, I was simply uh, so happy when I got my package from Coffee Julie. I I used to uh, to help them because uh, I'm active on Kickstarter and I uh, helped them launch by pre-purchasing. And I was so happy when I got the metal blocks they send over. Uh, they basically sell uh, small metal blocks, coffee bean shaped, uh, mm-hmm. which you put in your coffee or tea, of course, but I usually put it in coffee, uh, which will cool your hot coffee really fast to the right temperature, and then we keep it like that for longer. And I like drinking coffee all day long, and I like having it at the right temperature. So, again, I'm not using it right now, but everybody that's a coffee addict or fan, whatever you want to put it, <laughs> I, would, uh, I would definitely recommend that to try it out. Thank you. Spell the, the website. You said coffeesomething.com. I didn't catch that. Do that for me, Alex. Where is it again? J J O U L I E S dot com. So coffee okay. dot com. Okay, thank you very much. I think we're gonna tweet that. And Nish, what's in your cup today, dear? Wow, I'm learning new things. That's pretty exciting. I actually yeah. took a little note on the side because I also appreciate a cup of coffee at the right temperature. Um, hi, everyone. I'm calling in from our Dublin office, uh, Dublin, California office today. So it's uh, just after 8 a.m., and I am drinking coffee. Um, the last time I was on the show, I think I talked a little bit about experimenting with the by-the-cup coffee making. And here we are a little over a month later, and I regret to say that despite several attempts, I still don't feel that my <laughs> by-the-cup coffee is at the same level of my consumer experience when I walk into a Phil's coffee shop. I'm uh-huh. starting to wonder if it maybe has more to do with the whole experience of getting my coffee there, you know, late on a weekend morning versus making it on my own, half asleep in my kitchen on a weekday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be part of the difference. But uh, despite that, I'm still very much enjoying my coffee. And I was smiling when Joanna was talking about the turmeric milk because that, yeah. you know, I'm Indian uh, by descent and that's actually something that we oftentimes were told by, you know, our family, our grandmothers and our mothers to drink, especially when we're not feeling well. Um, and right. when you're not okay. feeling well, turmeric and milk is not necessarily the thing I wanted to take. So this kind of <laughs> makes me feel like I should give it another shot. <laughs> well, it well, sounds like, like, you know, the globalization of drinks. I mean, it's so interesting to see what kind of transformations they take when, on their journey around the globe. So true. 
And I have to add one more coffee break note here. Malcolm Kimberlin, our tweeter extraordinaire, my co-producer, says he just got an espresso pixie for Christmas, and he has been loving it, and he comments that Intenso flavors are intense. Thank you very much, Malcolm. I appreciate that. And you all know they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on show day, so it's just plain water through a straw for me. How boring. But it is filtered water, and that's my that's my healthy explanation. We are... Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live. Today is Wednesday, January 15th. I can't believe we're halfway through the first month of the year. Really? Already? We're talking about technology donations enabling social change, part two. My panel includes Joanna Breidenbach. She won't let me call her doctor, but she is co-founder of BetterPlace.org. Alex Lapouchon, CEO and founding partner of Zytech, Z-I-T-E-C.com. And Nish Pengali, head of technology for SAP CSR corporate social responsibility organization. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm going to be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that dial, that mouse, that app. We've got a 30-minute roundtable. My guests are going to need their energy for this. We're going to be talking about social responsibility and tech donations, social innovation, and leveling the competitive playing field. Let's see what comes out of that. We'll see you on the other side. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We have an interesting panel today. We're talking about technology donations enabling social change. We're talking about disruptive technologies and jumping in where good needs to be done and having a social awareness and a social consciousness. I'm going to start the roundtable off with Joanna Breidenbach from, let's see where she's from. I have it here, betterplace.org. And Joanna, I want to talk about donations and crowdfunding. Everybody thinks about crowdfunding in terms of startups and in terms of exciting experimental companies and funding a movie and funding somebody's record album CD. But how does this work with social change, social projects, getting finance? Introduce us to the topic of crowdfunding, please, Joanna. Yes, uh, uh, happy to do so. 
Well, you know, when we founded betterplace.org, our platform, we noticed that most donors in Germany, where we are based, know the usual suspects, you know, know the German Red Cross, you know, the Save the Children, the mm -hmm. UNICEF of this world. But there is such a wealth of small, more grassrooty organizations out there, people who are actually located in the countries where they want, where they operate. And I believe that very often these smaller organizations, which, you know, you could call the long tail of aid, that they really know what they are doing best. And we thought it would be great to use the Internet to give those small organizations a platform where they could be visible and where donors in Germany could actually access them and contribute to their work. So what we found that over, at the moment we have about 6,500 uh, NGOs using our platform, and mm. there are about 100 new ones a week which register. So this really works very much like eBay. You know, you post a project as a project mm -hmm. maker. You specify exactly what you need to, for your project to, to be finalized and to, 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 to start. Um, and then people who are interested uh, in a very specific topic and who want to contribute to an NGO have a much larger you know, a group of NGOs to choose from. Um, so we find that this works really well for um, established but also new uh, social change organizations who want to reach new donors because most donors, at least in Germany, are 65 plus. So mm -hmm. most organizations have a huge problem reaching younger people. And obviously with the Internet, you know, this is much easier. And when you use the tools, the online tools available, when, you, um, when NGOs can post about their work, when they can post a video, when they can give feedback more or less in real time about their accomplishments, donors can be much more drawn into the work and can become much more part of social change happening around the corner in their own city, but also, you know, on the other side of the planet. So we see worldwide, really, uh, quite a number of donation platforms which are, you know, working like a on a Kickstarter model, um, mm -hmm. but which are tasked for uh, NGOs um, globally. Thank you, Joanna. Alex, why don't you jump in on this? What are your thoughts about the concept of crowdfunding and kickstarting for social good organizations, the new ones? What do you think? Thank you. I think it's a, it's a great concept. First of all, I'm a big fan of uh, crowdfunding. As I said, uh, I love Kickstarter and Indiegogo and, and similar websites. Uh, I already pre-purchased like a couple of projects on Kickstarter. The crazier they are, the faster I'm going to open my wallet. Uh, it's, it, I feel like people are empowered to do uh, a project that otherwise would not be fundable. And I feel that, uh, I don't know, it seems like the world has a better future this way. That's how I see it. Uh, so, yes, and I think that it, uh, the, the, the combination in between crowdfunding and, um, and social change uh, is something that can also change the way we live. Uh, and I would like to see that happening also in Eastern Europe and Romania, but so far uh, it seems that uh, we're not there yet. Uh, but I, I, I definitely see people here reacting very, very uh, positive to, uh, to such a concept, especially since in the last year a lot of social movements in Bucharest have started to show that Romanians start to learn to say no. And uh, therefore, I, uh, I will welcome any uh, initiative in this direction, local, and I would definitely support it. 
Alex, you have teased me by saying the crazier the project, the faster you open your wallet. I love that. Can you give us an example? I bet everybody listening wants to know, what the heck is he talking about? What kinds of projects appeal to you? Talk to me. It's not, it's not the right. It's not the right way to say it because you you sound reckless. But that's how I. No, no, it. no. It sounds uh, exciting. It sounds exciting. The, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, I'm just giving you one example. The last latest project I uh, I, I um, pre-purchased on Kickstarter is a device like a keychain uh, that uh, you can use to measure. Uh, nasty stuff in your food, like tetrazine and other uh, other <laughs> nasty stuff like that. Uh, I don't even know if that's going to work, but just the concept of having that and having that available as a consumer product just makes me feel better about humanity. <laughs> I don't know how to put it otherwise. <laughs> I love it. Nish, you have to chime in here. What do you think about Let's talk about crowdfunding and, and what Joanna and Alex said. Have you invested in any crazy uh, open up your wallet and, and improve humanity projects recently, Nish? I love this dialogue, really. It's, <laughs> this is a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's true. It, the crowdfunding model makes things very accessible. And I think it also, particularly here for, you know, us in North America, it also, not only is it accessible, but it's just very easy for us to invest. Um, you know, there's just this easy way of going online, being able to review information about these different uh, opportunities, and then easily, you know, open your wallet through clicking and be able to support funding something that's really exciting and innovative. And if you think back, you know, 10 years ago, this would have required a lot more effort to understand what concepts are out there. And of course, for these entrepreneurs and these social changers um, to actually get their ideas out. So I think it's fantastic that we have the ability to do this. And it's just another testament to the power of these technology platforms. They're bringing, you know, global concepts from all around the world um, into your laptop. And that's just amazing. I want to say it reminds me a little bit of gambling, how easy it is to go on a gambling site. Open your wallet and invest in the chance. Well, it sounds like Alex is taking a chance on this thing about what's nasty in your food. Now, Alex, I want to start a new topic here. Before the show, you sent me some interesting information. There's a word that jumped out at me. It starts with an H. It ends with an N. It's not a four-letter word. But to some people, Alex, it may be a four-letter word. And the word is hackathon. You told me that today Zytec's third hackathon will be completed. And I want to know, give me a context. How does a hackathon have to do with social responsibility, social good, tech donations? Alex Lapouchon, let's start this topic, please. Right. So uh, we, we realized a couple of years uh, back when uh, when we had Yahoo come uh, in Bucharest and uh, organize a, a hackathon. Like they, they they had like 300 developers in the same uh, building. Uh, it was a 24 hours hackathon and it was amazing. And the energy I saw there. Uh, I was part of the jury, and I also had uh, guys part of the event as well. So the energy I've seen there and the passion and, and the fact that people thought they can do anything if they want to in that time frame, which which sometimes is like being very, very over-optimistic. Because if you ask them, like, okay, you think you can do this project in 24 hours, but what if mm-hmm. Monday at work I would ask you how much time do you need for the same pro- project? Uh, and then they just burst into laughter because they would probably say six months. But when it's a hackathon, they would say, sure, by tomorrow morning it's done. And somehow they also get it done. Uh, so that, that's, that's amazing, the energy there and uh, the fact that people think that, as Nish said before, small groups of people can make changes 
if they believe in that and if they feel that problem, it bothers them, they will find a solution. And developers, they're a special breed, you know. If they see a problem around, they will always start to think, like, how can I change this? How can I fix this? And, of course, the answer is always software because, well, developers know how to code. So, of course, they're going to use software at anything, you know. uh, and while they don't have the business skills around, uh, it's very hard to make uh, such idea sustainable. Usually when the hackathon is over, the project uh, dies. So uh, mm-hmm. I, would, I, I would love to see more, um, more events where uh, NGOs uh, or even businesses are sustaining such projects so that, uh, I don't know, they need to see another day. And good examples are happening. Uh, for instance, TechSoup uh, has organized Restart Romania two years in a row, and they had, I don't know, uh, over 10, 10 teams each and each year. Each, each team b- uh, built a social change uh, project, which was amazing. I mean, even uh, stuff that people avoid, uh, usually, for instance, one team had a, a, a software where you could report the bribe in a hospital, the bribe value, so people would know how much you should be bribing for a special medical service in a hospital. So that's stuff people don't want to talk about usually, you know. Uh, uh, well, uh, that team wanted to create a map, the map of bribes in hospitals in Romania, and a lot of people were bothered by that, but they just put that out in the open. They did not solve it but you cannot ignore it anymore, you know. Another project, uh, we had a, uh, uh, a team as well participating in Text to Hackathon uh, created a project for disabled people because there was no place in Romania to get informed, to learn about a public building or a, or, or a food venue, a restaurant or a pub, to see if you have uh, at the access, the parking spot, a uh, special lavatory, like what you need for that. There was no mm-hmm. place to get that information. So it's natural that when we started doing inside hackathons, uh, we do one, one every year. One, uh, part of the uh, part of the guys uh, joining the the event again, it was a volunteer only event. Uh, some of them picked uh, social oriented ideas. For instance, this year, because the event was just before Christmas, actually, one of the team created uh, the website called donazacopilor.ro, which means donate to children. It's a website mm-hmm. that uh, connects orphanages and uh, and donors because. Some of them will not just need money. They would use anything, clothes, uh, furniture, toys, sure. whatever, uh, so that you, 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 you do a matchmaking and, uh, and everybody's uh, it's happy. So yeah, Maybe the, I can the, come in here. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Joanna, please. Sure, yeah, I was just wondering because, you know, I, I also really like the hackathon model which you are describing, and I like it also for one reason, because I do think that the sectors, you know, the public sector, the private sector, and civil society organizations, there's still a lot of, you know, alienation between them. They don't really come together very often in a very productive way. And I think, you know, hackathons create a space where each finds out what the other has to offer. And NGOs very often, in Germany at least, they know, yes, they are are all these digital tools, but how can we really use them, you know, and how can we get them, and isn't that very expensive? And when you have in the hackathon, you can actually, you know, get all of these people together, people who want to create change from various, with all of their different skill sets, and they get to know each other, and they actually get to work together. And so that's what I love about it, that it really, you know, makes collaboration across sectors possible, and that you can have really some tangible results at the end if you follow it through 
I completely agree with you, Alex, there. It's really important that you don't just have lots of, you know, half-finished apps. Uh, everybody is created, uh, creative and enthusiastic about their stuff, but that you don't follow up because that's frustrating. So I think it is important to provide mechanisms for some of these tools then really to see, you know, the light of day. Joanna, no, thank Joanna, you. I agree with you. And I want to bring Nish. I want to bring Nish in here too. Nish, I know you have an cool. opinion about hackathons. We want to hear your voice on this. Just for, Nish, jump in. Sure, and you know I fully agree with what everyone's saying, especially in terms of the longevity and, and keeping these uh, opportunities more sustainable. And we've done some things, um, you know, partnering with some uh, consulting partners, for example, who decided to donate their time to continue the work from a hackathon event and looking at different interesting models. So completely agree with some of the points that have been brought up. Um, one of the interesting things from my perspective is also how, you know, the private sector can add in um, and support these opportunities, but also gain a lot from them. So what's interesting is the opportunity available for corporations, I think, to support the initiatives and also build, you know, positive social awareness of who they are. So whether that's through sponsoring a hackathon, donating technology to be used during the session and to the recipient nonprofit and NGO, that can really help with building brand awareness amongst the development community. And I think it's also a great way to introduce developers who may not be in the existing ecosystem to our company's technology and socialize it in a way that's familiar and comfortable for them. Maybe even dispelling some stereotypes that they may have about lack of fit within the sector. So that can also be kind of an interesting and new feeder for future development talent, whether that's directly into your organization, into a customer, or into your partner base. Thank you, Nish. Alex, I know you had more to say. Why don't you continue, please? Thank you. So uh, what I wanted to say is the fact that uh, it, not only that, if you don't have a sustainable approach, uh, the uh, enthusiasm that it's consumed at the hackathon is going to waste. I think that's also a, a, a very high risk of a backlash because uh, mm. people are motivated uh, um, to participate in hackathons because they believe they can make a change. Now, once you participate in one, two, three, four, five events like that, and then you draw a line and you say, like, you know, actually, w w which one, wh what project actually is now still producing benefits? And if you don't see that, then you're going to back off from that idea. So I think that's also a risk that uh, we definitely have to avoid anybody organizing hackathons. You need to somehow ensure sustainability because otherwise this, this, um, this concept is going to slowly fade away. Now, I want to ask the whole panel because I, I, when I say hackathon, I said really a four-letter word. I'm thinking of hack, which we know is it did not start out being a good concept because we don't like hackers. And now we're saying that hackers who are developers who have social good in mind can get together and create amazing, very beneficial things. Who, who gets to invited to a, let's say, a corporate hackathon niche? Who gets invited to the table? What kind of time frame? What's in it for them? Why would a developer come and spend, let's say, 72 hours straight creating code for something that they're not sure where it's going to go or what's in it for them? What's their mindset, Nish? So, and first of all, you know, really interesting, just as we've seen with other terms in our vernacular, a mm -hmm. shift from a negative connotation to positive connotation. Yeah. So it's always so interesting when society pushes that along. And in this example, I think it's, it's a great one. Um, for In terms of who's sitting at the table, for us, you know, when we look at opportunities to offer our technology out, this kind of relates to 
also wanting to make sure that the right organizations are using solutions in the right way. So donations are really important for us. We want to make sure that we're giving back to society, um, but we also want to make sure that organizations are receiving the solutions in a way that's the best fit for them. They're using them in the right way, and that's the most effective uh, you know, success story that we can hope for. So hackathons are an opportunity for us to actually bring in the development community to help recipient NPOs run better with the technology. And oftentimes, um, you know, there's just developers in the community who are day-to-day doing different things, um, you know, kind of earning their, their way, and they find an opportunity to join a hackathon, and it's a way that they can give back doing what they do best. And as Alex alluded to, it's also an opportunity to come in for a short period of time, and there's a lot of fun and excitement at these hackathons. So I was at one not too long ago where we actually – we're working with a user community that's affiliated with SAP, and a number of different developers came together, and they worked for three days straight, as they said, powered by uh, Pepsi and pizza and uh, those red vines. <laughs> and they basically <laughs> were working to help one of our big nonprofit partners, City Year, um, understand how to use analytics. And the idea was actually that they created the best use of the analytics and then came on stage on the last evening, and they showcased what they created. But they did it in a really fun way. They dressed up in costumes. They had songs and dance. And they just really they brought in the CIO from City Year to actually run some of the demos. Um, and then this is the example that I was alluding to earlier, that we actually have a partner continuing the work after the hackathon. So they're picking things up and making sure that ah. everything um, you know, lives on for City Year because some of the work started, but a lot of the work to get this rolled out to all of their organizations will take some time. And so, um, you know, there it, it was really a fun opportunity for developers to get out of their day job but still take the skill set that they have and they do best, work with some other developers in the community. So that was a fun networking opportunity, and they really had a lot of fun with it, even though they probably slept a total of four hours in three days. Um, so for us, that's, that's a great example and just one, um, and I'm sure the rest of the panelists have a number of other ones that they're very familiar with. Joanna, you want to bring an example, and Alex, and then I want to move this in a, a very different direction. But anybody want to bring in another example of hackathon? Yeah, I can. I can bring in another example. Yeah. I, I mean, we recently have uh, organized a hackathon here at Better Place, and what we finished, we we actually had three, uh, you know, apps which we finished, uh, and one was called the Indulgence app. So, you know, with the indulgences, you used to pay as a Catholic for, to the Catholic Church as a sinner. So we revamped that for the modern age. And if you, you know, if you've committed a little sin, let's say you drank too much or you haven't visited your grandmother lately, you know, you can go onto the indulgence app. You can, you know, specify which of the deadly, seven deadly sins you committed. And then you are being pointed to one better place project, a social project which fits, you know, the sin. And you can actually donate and redeem, you know, your good. And then you have wiped out, your consciousness is clean afterwards after you've made the donation and, you know, you receive a lovely picture of yourself with a halo and you can post that on Facebook. Um, you know, so, I mean, we just try to make donations more fun and to make it more sexy and to combine a story with that and, you know, and the Indulgence app is good storytelling. So that was one of the apps we created. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I didn't have any idea we were going to get into this on the show. This is great. Alex, do you have a, another example you want to do before I move us in another topic direction? Sure. Uh, I just want to quickly um, uh, go over the same talk, topic a bit because it, it happened to me. I was starting to see people that do not understand why developers would join a social change marathon 
because they are not yes. paid. They don't they don't get the IP of the project uh, necessarily at the end, uh, and yet they spend like 12 or 48 or even more hours to deliver a small mm-hmm. project. Uh, the problem is people don't get that for some developers this is not a job; it's a passion. They like coding. Mm-hmm. They like doing yes. that. So if you do what you like, plus you have a ton of fun around that in an event, like like uh, uh, you, uh, you mentioned before, and, and on top of that, you add that you feel like you're actually making a difference in the society and contributing to a better society. What more can you ask? Can, what more can you give to a guy? Of course, they are motivated and they want to do it. And they want to do it. Um, now, in terms of uh, if the government should be more open and, and uh, organize hack, uh, hackathons and uh, have a better, better open communication, I would love to see that. Uh, and probably in the U.S., Germany is happening, but I have not seen uh, a lot of action in that direction over here. Quite the opposite. A lot of the hackathons are uh, underlining big problems. Like uh, in our hackathon, one of the application was called Mobilizer, and it was designed to help mobs organize themselves and avoid uh, police in towns when organizing spontaneous riots, for instance. Mm, so it's, interesting. Again, it's, it's big problems. Big problems, and of course, then the government may be may be a bit reluctant when when the word hack is going to uh, to pop out. Though in Romania, hacker was always a positive word. You know, we never had a bad connotation because we have a lot of hackers <laughs> around. I'm glad. I have a, a talking point here from Joanna. I want to get in before we go. We're going to go to break in about eight minutes here. So let's see if we can get all three voices on. Joanna says in the next years, and we're not talking about crystal ball here, just, just looking ahead, uh, in a generic way. She says we'll see a lot of quote unquote reverse innovation. And she explains that by saying social digital innovations coming from regions like East Africa, India, Brazil. Joanna, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and then I'm going to ask uh, Nish and Alex to chime in as well. Go ahead, Joanna. Yes, well, you see, we what we do in the Better Place Lab, we publish a trend report, and there we really scout the world for trends and for interesting case studies of how civil society actors have come up with digital tools to improve their work. And what we see, I mean, we do see a lot of innovation actually in the U.S. and in the U.K., so this seems to be a very, you know, innovation-prone part of the world. But we also see lots of interesting stuff coming out of Kenya, coming out of Ghana, India, Brazil, Indonesia, you know. So we see lots of innovation because the people there, I mean, most of them, they are the populations who have the biggest problems. uh, And there are suddenly people who really have the resources, who also know how to code. You have the NGOs there, and they are thinking about innovative ways to change their local projects on the ground. So I think this is a really exciting area because we see this is not, you know, large organizations from, you know, Brussels, Washington, and London developing stuff for, you know, the developing world. But this is people on the ground, you know, doing, using the resources they have for themselves to be innovative. And we see that, I mean, when you look at Kenya, for example, and you look at mobile banking and what the M-Pesa um, model of M- has enabled, you know, what kind of interesting social services have come out of Kenya, micro-insurances, you know, or info- SMS information services where local uh, farmers receive weather information, or you even have 
have an app which um, deals with the milk industry, the iCow app, where local mm. farmers can, you know, enter their milk, their dairy data into the app, receive information of how, you know, their stock, livestock can be improved, and they can even um, barter and, and, and trade their uh, cows through the app, you know. And, I mean, this is really interesting, and these are kinds of innovations which we don't really see so much happening in Germany, which is a much more mm-hmm. saturated and I would say much more conservative market in this sphere. So I'm really looking forward to see what's coming out of other regions. Thank you, Joanna. Nish, I want to get you in on this before we go to break in four minutes. What do you think about this reverse innovation from the other parts of the world that we're talking about? Really interesting topic. I think that, you know, I fully mm-hmm. agree with Joanna. There's so much innovation that's coming from other parts of the world. Um, oftentimes these economies that have much less in the way of resources, um, and they are able to still leverage their creativity and leverage technology that's available to them and to do pretty amazing things. Um, you know, there's one remarkable organization called Echalea Tucasa. They are providing housing to homeless families in Mexico, which I know is a different mm-hmm. region than what Joanna was talking about. But conceptually speaking, in terms of how they're thinking beyond just the technology, it's, it's very impressive. They already understand the importance of kind of driving social innovation and leveling the competitive playing field. They're not just donating homes to these families, but they're actually working with the families to teach them how to build their own homes using sustainable materials. And the result of this is not only in shelter for the family, but they've actually created a new labor pool for the economy and self-reliance for these families. Um, And then also a focus on the environment and sustainable living. So they really are looking at, you know, a trajectory out of not just solving a problem and looking at it specifically, but really thinking about the entire ecosystem and how can we actually foster something really sustainable and different. Um, And leveraging technology, they're able to grow their scale indefinitely. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, to wrap up this part of our show, which is our roundtable, it's more like a, a lightning round. I love this. The energy is great from the three of you, and I appreciate it. I want to wrap up the roundtable with something Alex told me before the show, and I'm going to have you each comment for just about a minute before we go to break. When we come back, of course, it will be crystal ball predictions time. But, Alex, you summed it up for me very succinctly. You said, we simply cannot wait for government structures to solve all social issues, nor should we limit ourselves to pointing out the problems. We need to act, even if that means getting outside our comfort zone, including donating our time and money. And that's really what we've been talking about. Alex, any thoughts on that? And you would like to expand that for just a minute, please? Yes, and I'm going to bring that into the perspective of, of Romania because uh, uh, cultural Please. differences exist. And for instance, one, one, one big drawback in, in, in uh, projects like this is the fact that 45 years under communism, uh, volunteering was a bad thing because it was called like that, but everybody had to do it at a precise time for a precise task, like picking mm. up the apples. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, after 45 years, people had a very, very uh, negative reaction to that, like, okay, so you're a volunteer, so that means you're basically a fool. Uh, And that's really hard to fight, because when you want to launch um, uh, a project, even if it's not a hackathon, if it's a project that you sustain, for instance, we have projects that we sustain as a company or um, um, employees in our company have projects that we sustain. Uh, Now, the problem is that it's hard to get people to volunteer, 
I mean, as opposed to U.S., where everybody has that culture and you're expected to have activities like that in, in, your, in your resume, basically. Over here, it's not the norm, and that's pretty tough because uh, you need uh, a larger and larger group of people to do mm-hmm. smaller, affordable tasks. They have day jobs. They have families. You cannot ask right. them to do, to, uh, to do uh, marathons themselves, right? Uh, so you need more people, and that's a challenge over here. Uh, and less resources, again, forces innovation. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I can give you a couple of examples of, proje- of projects like that in uh, done in Romania. For instance, one project is trying to map all the deforestation happening because nobody knows what's happening. Uh, and they are using Google Maps for that, and they have volunteers mapping uh, forest areas just to keep an arch, uh, a watch on that. Another mm-hmm. project which was pretty much in the news was just uh, opening to the public all the job offers in the public sector so that they don't go uh, being aside, you know, in between friends or family. Projects like that can improve the quality of the service in the public office. Uh, Thank you, Alex. That I- we want to see more here. That's the good stuff, and it's good for the, for the whole world. Nish, I can give you 30 seconds. You want to comment? Because I'm just about ready for break. Nish, are you there? I'm here. You know what? Yes. Okay. Hello. You want to comment on? Yes. Sure. You want to comment I'd love, on? Yeah. I'd go love ahead. Too. I think that you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, this resonates really well for the community to jump in and do our part. And I think that you know, not only is it looking at how can we contribute both in our time financially um, and doing our part, but it also, it doesn't hurt to also think about it in a different perspective, which is um, how can you also leverage that experience as a positively beneficial one for yourself? Um, And I think that you can look at it as maybe a a career enhancer. You know, the hackathon opportunities we were talking about, that's donating your time, but you're also able to network with other developers. You're able to potentially learn about a new software, um, and that can take you far as well. So I think it's uh, a lot of just looking inside yourself and thinking about how can I give Mm -hmm. back? Um, but how can this also fit into my overall plan? And that may help motivate a lot of people to kind of jump into the game as well. Thank you very much, Nish. I'm talking to Joanna Breidenbach, co-founder of BetterPlace.org, Alex Lapouchon, CEO and founding partner of Zytec.com, Z-I-T-E-C, and Nish Pengali, head of technology for SAP CSR organization. We're going to take a break for exactly one minute, come back with the crystal ball. Joanna, Alex, Nish, go find the crystal ball, polish it off. When we come back, I'll ask you, if we had this conversation five years from today, Where would we be in terms of all the good stuff we've been talking about on doing social good? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here 
Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We've got a really fast closing to the show today. I've got seven minutes left, so let's divide and conquer. Joanna Breidenbach, co-founder of BetterPlace.org. Predictions. If we had this conversation five years from today, in January 2019, Joanna, would we still be talking about the need for crowdfunding, for crowdsourcing, for Kickstarter, for hackathons, to use technology, the power of technology, and make digital changes in the world for social good? Talk to me, Joanna. Yeah, I think we would still be having that discussion, but the focus would be shifted. I do believe that we will see in five years from now changes in the way traditional social sector organizations are working. But I think that the more fundamental changes are going to happen in the wider society. I do think that, you know, we will see trends like the sharing economy, like 3D printing and, you Mm -hmm. know, aid, not trade. Uh, Sorry, trade, not aid, you know, where people are using digital technology to empower themselves, to create jobs for themselves to be partner, participate in the market. I think that we will see more changes in this area and that poverty reduction and social justice will come from a much wider base because more and more people really like very much in the quote which Nish was starting off with because they have discovered fully the potential of digital communications to make things themselves and to take issues into their own hands and to change the world. So I think that's really something which is going to happen. I do believe that big data for good is going to play an interesting role. I think, you know, we are going to look a lot at what we can use data for in order to improve the way the world runs. And uh, to close off with, I'm really curious to find out how philanthropy is going to be in five years from now, because suddenly we have new middle classes in countries like India and China and Brazil, and will they also, you know, donate substantially to their civil society organizations? Will they play an active role? Because they are not yet doing that. And so that's, I'm really curious about that. Thank you very much, Joanna. Alex Lapouchon, Zytech.com. Talk to me. Predictions. Go, Alex. Yes, yes, of course. I don't think that in five years from now, the government in U.S., Romania, or Germany, or U.K. will do a better job because mm. simply against their very nature. So I just think that uh, we're going to have other problems, and we're going to use other tools to solve them. Uh, I would I would say that in terms of trends, I would say that uh, I expect more from uh, the micropayments, use of micropayments, especially uh, because of the penetration of the virtual currency. I'm not only talking about Bitcoin here, it could be something else. I'm talking more about the advantage of having a very, very low um, fee for any transaction. Uh, so that might enable a lot of, uh, a lot of other projects to, to, to happen. I see more people, more tech people, uh, like Joanna said, I see more developers in particular playing with open data and highlighting problems and finding solutions. I, I see white hat hackers using technology to solve problems, not only social problems. Uh, basically, I still see people solving issues for free, issues that the guy paid to solve them cannot. 
Mm, interesting. Thank you, Alex. And Nish, round it out. I'll give you a minute and a half. Go. So I spoke a little bit about my predictions on the last show, and given it wasn't that mm-hmm. long ago, I guess I have to stand by what I said then. Okay. Um, and some of that was seeing a shift around the social sector really influencing the what and how of technology donations, uh, you know, more av- availability of open source technology solutions, communities kind of coming together in person and virtually to scale the impact of technology. Um, and an additional uh, point from today, I think, is in addition to hackathons, more skills-based initiatives from the corporate sector, which will benefit not just nonprofits and NGOs, but can also serve as a really strong branding and recruiting tool and mechanism for new hires and developer pools. Uh, because new hires today really care about the type of company that they work for, and developers out there may or may not be as familiar with different corporations. And so these are really opportunities, I think, to have new feeder programs into corporations. Thank you, Nish. Great. I appreciate it. Glad you stood by your previous. It was just about a month ago, so I'm glad they're still fresh and new. I have my predictions, and here they are. I wrote them down. Tomorrow is Thursday. Time for Startup Focus with Game Changers presented by SAP. We're going to have a best of rerun. We're rerunning show number five, which was Startup Nation Israel. Great conversation about where the startup energy is, where's the money, where's the funding, where are the ideas. Israel is one of those hubs. You don't want to miss that show if you didn't hear it first time around. Next Tuesday, on our Biz Buzz with Game Changers Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, we'll be live talking about fakes, frauds, and scams. Are the bad guys getting smarter? Tune in and find out. And next Wednesday here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, talking about predictions, it's my 2014 Predictions Part 3. We've already done Parts 1 and 2 and featured 30 thought leaders with their Bam! In your face predictions. I call it predictions on steroids. Well, I have another 12 or 14 joining me next Wednesday for predictions part three. Special thank yous. Great panel today. Dr. Joanna Breidenbach. I got the doctor in there. Alex Lapouchon. Thank you so much. Nish Pangali. Thanks for putting the panel together. And shout outs again to Nish and Brittany Loth for putting the panel together and bringing a great topic. Malcolm Kimberlin. Welcome back. Thank you for tweeting. Brad and the business channel team hugs and thanks for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.